Tempest. I know, right? Do what the dog says. Welcome to Originality, the podcast where we explore the roots of creativity and creative genius. I am one of your hosts, Aline Sims, and I am, as ever, joined by the super fantastic Kay Tempest Bradford. Hooray. Hello. Um, so this is actually our second time recording. I'm just going to like lay it out. Um, we recorded like about five minutes, but I wasn't actually recording. So we're re-recording and that is just a little bit of insight behind the scenes and also where my brain is right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're both kind of in the middle of some heavy stuff. Yeah. You're, you got app camp this week. I have app camp for girls this week. This is uh, day three of our five days. Um, and it was kind of a hectic start to the week. Um, even more so than usual at Phoenix camp this year. So, uh, today settled down a little bit, but I'm, I'm pretty tired and you, Oh my gosh. Well, I'm in the middle of five straight weeks of travel. It's super exciting. Last week, I went off to a writing workshop this week. I am chilling with some of my homies. And then one week from today, I get on the flight to Germany for a cruise. And I'll be on that cruise for eight days. And then after that, I take two trains and a ferry to Finland, uh, where I will be attending Worldcon in Helsinki. So yeah, there's a lot lot going on with both of us today. I'm super excited for you, though. I can't wait to hear stories of hijinks. There will definitely be hijinks. It will be such hijinks. I believe it. And also you're going to do eclipse, watch, eclipse watching in the Pacific Northwest after that. Oh, that's and right. See, I always forget about my entire... You left off the tail end of your, your My trip. entire travel thing. Yeah, like after I come back from Helsinki, I will be flying back to the Pacific Northwest, then taking a train down to Portland, then taking a car further down into Oregon to go to see the eclipse, and then... Going back up to Portland, getting back on a train, going back up north. And then maybe, maybe I'll get to sleep. No. Maybe. No, you're going to be off in Europe and you're going to be planning something that's going to happen. You'll get like two days at home and then you're going to be like, all right, well, I'm traveling again because that's that's Tempest this year. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff going down. (laughs) It's going to be cool, though. Yeah. Um, Well... All that is to say, you know, if we stumble a little bit over our words, you're going to bear with us, I hope. Um, But I think today's topic is uh, is extraordinarily interesting and important. And so I'm excited to give talking about it a go because um, we're going to talk about money, kind of earning it. Money. Yeah, we're going to talk about being an artist, a creative person. And asking for money for your art. Um, And that may take the shape of a Kickstarter campaign or some other crowdfunding campaign. Or it may take the uh, shape of patronage, such as with Patreon. And sometimes it also just takes the shape of saying, if you pay me. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about all of that. But before we get to that, uh, I think that we should get a little bit of an update from you, Aline on your bullet journaling and how that's going. <laughs> it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest, especially this week with 
camp. Um, so what I've kind of fallen into is if you listen to the bullet journal episode that we did, and I'll of course have a a link to that in our show notes. But, um, one of the things I talked about was how, uh, the system that is, that has worked best for me in the past is just like having a piece of paper and every few days updating that and transferring things to a new sheet of paper. And I just keep it loose and, you know, put it in my purse or whatever needs to happen. And so my bullet journal has kind of become that. So I'm not necessarily transferring tasks every day. I'll have a page and that'll be my, my list for two or three days, or even, you know, in preparation for, for camp, I had just like this ongoing stream of consciousness, consciousness list that I was picking things off of and then doing those. And, um, so it's, it's kind of, um, not like a true, bullet journal, I don't think, where I'm writing things down every day and I'm transferring things every night. Um, And then this week with camp, everything's been so hectic that I can't keep a thought in my brain for more than about two and a half seconds. So (laughs) the whole thing is just kind of... um, dissolved because, you know, it's, it's like you have three people waiting to talk to you and, um, things, so many things are happening. It's like, I can't stop and be like, okay, give me a second. I'll write this down. Um, so I, I have captured things to the best of my ability. Um, I've also been leaning on my co-organizers a lot, just like, Hey, remind me to blah, blah, blah. Um, or, asking people to circle back around to me. Um, so I feel like part of it is, uh, also like my management skills. I don't manage people very often. So kind of learning how to juggle that part of that, I think is things haven't gone according to plan, nothing insurmountable. It's just been a little bit, uh, less structured, uh, or not as structured in the way we wanted it to be. Um, so yeah, uh, I do think I will continue to stick with it. I think it's been probably about a month now. And so I think it's it's been a net good for me. Um, I just maybe don't have enough time established in it and it's not habitual enough yet for it to be like, okay, let me let me let me grab my bullet journal and, and capture this. Um so that's that's kind of where I am with it. Have you been keeping up with your bullet journal? My bullet journal is a disaster right now. I don't even know. (laughs) There's so much going on. There is a lot going on. But actually I did, um, I did sit down recently and go ahead and like do my, my monthly page for July and my monthly page for August in part because I am going to be doing so much traveling. And I, I often come back to my bullet journal in times of great need and I needed it greatly when I was trying to pack because trying to keep track of like everything I need to make sure that I brought and and checking those things off because unless I do that, I things don't get packed and then it's a, a whole other tragedy. And then I also realized that there are going to be several times during my trip when um, my internet, my ability to access the internet is going to be pretty sketchy. And so there's certain information that I'm going to need to have written down on a piece of paper, which is like, you know, my confirmation number for some of my flights, the information about where to get the shuttle to go to the hotel and my hotel confirmation information and da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. So, um, with all that said, like, I was like, okay, I need to sit down with my bullet journal and make sure like all this information is in one place. So at least it became like one of those things where I'm like, okay, now I have to make sure that I carry this on my trip because it has this information in it. It's going to keep me focused and and keep me organized when everything else is going to be like blah because mm-hmm. so much traveling so yeah um but i i do feel like sometimes 
especially when you have an event like this where everything is happening all at once, sometimes the bullet journal then becomes not as useful because everything that you need to do is like stuff that you need to do like right away. Like it's all like right there in front of you as opposed to sort of like your to-do list for today. And you might get distracted by getting on the Facebook. You're not getting distracted by getting on Facebook this week. Oh, That's not, that's not happening. And so, Yeah. yeah, I feel like also figuring out when bullet journaling is going to be useful and when you can set it aside because like you are literally doing too many things to be worried about the bullet journal is also an important thing to, to figure out. Yeah. And, and the thing that I've fallen back on uh, for some of the bigger things or the longer term things. So one of the things that I've been doing is like identifying, okay, so what, what processes do we need to have documented better? What do we need to support? Because this is an entirely volunteer led thing, uh, led and staffed. So everybody is volunteering their time. What, what can I do as an organizer to support the people who are volunteering their time better? What materials can we put together? You know, so I do have like in bear for, uh, I have it on iOS and Mac because those are, that's the hardware I have, um, is iPhone, iPad, uh, MacBook. I'm just capturing things. I just have kind of like an ongoing, you know, note of things, uh, to, to do going forward. Yeah. But like you said, a lot of it's just immediate stuff. Like I needed a, I need a decision on this now. What do you want me to do with this? Should I do this thing or that thing? Like, and it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, how do I handle this situation that is happening right now? You know, it's not something that we can come back to in a week. So, uh, it's, it's super interesting and it's, yeah. For someone who works from home all the time, uh, pretty different from what I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, So many things, but, but it's like also the greatest ever because app camp for girls. It is amazing. Can, can I just gush for just a second about it? I think you should. Um, so since we're on relay, uh, relay, the podcasting network has been super supportive of app camp for girls since forever, always and forever. Um, Mike and Steven have always been enthusiastic supporters. A lot of the hosts are enthusiastic supporters. Uh, and so I feel like probably a lot of our listeners are also enthusiastic supporters of app camp for girls, or if not enthusiastic supporters, probably kind of in the know about what it is. But if you're not, um, it's basically a five day. It's not basically, it is a five day summer camp where we take, uh, people in, um, under indexed genders, basically. So girls, um, non-binary kids, transgender kids of any gender, and we give them a chance to learn how to develop using Swift and, um, iPads and Macs with Xcode. And in five days, they actually write three apps. Um, they create their own artwork for a pretty big app and, Uh, They create uh, their icon. They come up with team logos. We separate them into teams and and they do team logos. They have field trips. We have speakers and mentors. They learn about, um, we have a UI coach come in and talk about user interface design. Uh, So it's really this like comprehensive overview of what 
app development can look like? Because I asked them at lunch today, I was like, is, do you, what did you think app development was? Before you came here, what did you think it was? And they said, oh, we thought it would be sitting down and we'd just be writing, you know, like typing out code. And they're super excited because they're learning that it is, there's so much that goes into app development. Uh, and they're pretty stoked, I think. So is stoked a word people say anymore? Gosh, they're <laughs> pretty excited. Yes. It yes, is. Okay, do. good. All right. <laughs> I am not the old yet. Um, and so I feel like it after being around seventh to ninth graders all week. But and so it's it's pretty exciting just to to kind of see what's happening. And I gotta say, our team of volunteers this year, I mean, our team of volunteers is always amazing, but I'm consistently blown away by everybody around me, by what they're doing, how excited they are. Like today, they didn't want the the developers because the minute they walk in the door, they're developers. Uh, they didn't want to go to lunch today. We were like, okay, we've got to pack everything up, make sure the computers and iPads are safe and, you know, go, go to lunch. And they're like, nah, can we just eat here? We were like, no, that's not a habit we want to get you into it, you know, like 12 to 14 years old. But, but that's not, you, people don't do that. Uh, uh, uh-oh. No comment. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, really exciting. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just amazing to see something that I've worked, uh, with a group of co-organizers. We've worked a year on putting together actually come together is pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. So if you um, are an App Camp for Girls supporter, thank you so much because it's amazing. It's just, it's a great experience. And I do think that it changes lives. Uh, We can debate a lot of stuff about it at some point, but it really is cool. And it really is enriching for these kids who get to attend. So thanks so much for everybody who supports. That's awesome. I also thank you yeah. for supporting because you should, because people should support the things that are awesome in the world, which is a brilliant segue mm-hmm. into today's topic. Look at you. <laughs> You're so good at finding I try. excellent segues. I try. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, uh, when we were talking about what we wanted to do today, just knowing that um, this episode was going to be just the two of us, I I realized that I wanted to talk about asking for money when you're an artist in part because I was thinking about uh, the last episode where we talked to SJ Tucker um, and in part because I have been thinking about this just from my own end because I have a Patreon and just trying to figure out the balance between having a Patreon and how much I talked about my Patreon, how much I share about it on the social medias. Um, Am I doing it too much? Am I not doing it enough? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. And a lot of the weird shame that can go with that when you're an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so I wanted to get into that. And I wanted to start out this discussion by telling you a story, a fable, if you will. Um, And I've been thinking about fables just because the the writing workshop that I was at this last week was um, all about a, a project that's going to be all about like fairy tales and fables. So I'm like in that mindset so I can, I can tell you a fable. All right. So once upon a time, many years ago, and by many, I mean like, I don't know, probably seven. That's a lot. Somewhere between five and 10. I think it might've been seven. Okay. Um, there were two artists. Uh, one of them was a guy named 
J. And one of them was a woman named C. A lot of names that are just letters. Mm-hmm. So J was a photographer and a good one. And he really wanted to go on a trip to take some really cool pictures for a really cool photography project that he had in mind. But he didn't have the money to do so. And he was like, hmm, how will I get some money to do this really cool project that I can't afford to pay for myself? C is an author. And she had been writing and publishing books for many years before this point. But because writers, even when they are published by major publishers, still sometimes do not have a lot of money coming in, um, and C's only real job was writing, C said, I, I need some money to help me make my rent and help me live. Uh, how am I going to make that happen? I know I will write a book that my many fans have been asking me to write that I have said that I will not write, but now I need to make some money, so I'm going to write it. And I will give it to my fans um, who, if, if they give me money. So this was like early crowdfunding before crowdfunding became a thing. Meanwhile, Jay was like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll do something like that. He wasn't necessarily inspired by C, but like these, both, these things will happen around the same time. And Jay's like, okay, I'm going to put out on my blog saying, hey, I want to do this photography project. Would you be interested in giving me money so that I can go do this photography thing and then you'll get like some special cool thing, um, with, you know, access to like the raw photos or whatever it is. But, but you give me money, I give you this great art project. So Jay and C both are, are artists who are saying, please give us money. And then in exchange for that money, we will give you this art project as we go. Then along came a trickster god named Bob. I don't know, whatever. Mm. We're breaking Not the Loki, mold. Bob. Not Loki, Bob. So Bob comes along and he sees Jay talking about his art project and he sees C talking about her writing project and he's like, this is terrible. Artists shouldn't ask people to give them money for things that haven't been produced yet. That is ridiculous and rude and wrong and I'm going to say so. So Bob toddles over to the part of the internet where Jay is and says to Jay, stop that. Don't do that. It's horrible and immoral and wrong to ask people to give you money for something that doesn't exist. If you can't afford to do it, you need to just work harder and afford to do it. And then he toddles over to the part of the internet where C is and says, stop that. Shouldn't be asking people to give you money for a book you haven't even written yet. And if only you'd managed your life in a different way, you'd have money for rent and you wouldn't need this and it's wrong and you shouldn't do it. So Jay, upon hearing this criticism from Bob, who, and Jay probably looked up to Bob, was like, oh no, Bob is right. What I'm doing is wrong. Ask people to give me money for something that I haven't produced yet. It's so wrong. And so Jay goes on his blog and he's like, I'm sorry, people. I was wrong for asking you to do this. And I'm canceling this project and I'm refunding everybody their money who already gave me some money. I'm sorry. And he slunk off into a corner of the internet. C, upon hearing these words from Bob, said, 
what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> what? Get out of my life. And C closed the browser window with Bob's email <laughs> and went on to write the book chapter by chapter with people giving her money to do so. And then she completed the book. And the book was so fabulous that it was then bought by a major publisher. And C went on to become a New York Times bestselling author. The end. What can we learn from the story of C and J? People named Bob are awful. <laughs> no, I'm so kidding. I, I'm sorry, Bob. Don't don't stop yeah. listening. Um, um, yeah. Well, ignore the haters. Gotta ignore the haters. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. And, you know, this, I, I changed the names to protect the innocent and not so innocent. But that's like, that's actually a real scenario that happened to some people that I know, um, some of whom I know pretty well and some of whom I don't know that well. But it, I think about that a lot, especially because both of them had an idea for like doing artistry-based crowdfunding before that was a real thing. Like it's not that it hadn't been done before because it had, but it, was, it wasn't normal you know, normalized, I guess, at the time. But both of them, you know, had the idea that, okay, I have people who like my work, people who, who really love my writing or really love my photography, art, whatever. And they have said to me that we really love your stuff and we wish you'd do more of it. And in order to do the thing that they wanted to do, they needed like money up front or, or at least some, like some sort of form of patronage. And the idea that that was wrong to ask for patronage in such a way. Like, where does that even come from? And even with it being more normalized now, like even in a world where Kickstarter is many years old, Patreon is many years old, we have other Kickstarter-like companies around, such as Indiegogo and um, You Caring or um, what is it? You Fund It. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even then, there are still people who say oh, you, what are you doing? Like, this is, it's wrong to ask for people for money up front for whatever art you're doing. Like, or this is rude or it's, it's so gauche or whatever it is. We still have those people. And so what I want both for myself and for other people who create is to like, talk, just talk through why is it those people who would say those things are wrong? How you as an artist can, can talk, yourself into realizing that this is totally a valid way to make money. Um, what are some of the precedents for that? And um, how do we send Bob to like the deep abyss under the sea? We get Bob to stop telling people what to do. Bob, mind your own business. That's really what it comes <sighs> down to in a lot of cases. It really like, is. Why are you telling people what to do? Yeah. Well, so... I think one of the things that I want to say is kind of this idea of patronage is not new. You know, it wasn't like Leonardo da Vinci, like a painter in residence. He was, you know, patronized by kings and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we have oh, yeah. paid artists, both like painters, uh, poets 
uh, prose writers have been paid to do their craft by people who get no benefit other than this thing exists in the world. And that has happened for centuries. Maybe it's happened forever. I don't know. I am aware of it for centuries. And the scale and what it looks like is different now. But the reality is, <laughs> I'm sorry for those of us who are artists and writers, but sometimes we don't make a lot of money. And what we have to put in the world is not going to exist if we don't get support. And that's just what it boils down to. Like if your choice is to find a nine to five job that takes all of your energy, your nine to five job is going to get all of your energy, including your creative energy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is the thing that a lot of people who either aren't artists or who have bought into our sort of societal idea about art and artistry, you know, don't understand that you, you, okay. Yes, it is possible for you to have, you know, some sort of nine to five or even a part-time job and also do your art um, because plenty of people have done it, but some people cannot do it because Either the job that they have is so taxing or so energy draining that they do not have the energy left at the end of the day or maybe even on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people have not just jobs to contend with, but also spouses, children, uh, parents or other, you know, dependent folks that they need to take care of. That takes up energy. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a lot about how society, how American culture has, you know, has this thing where it's like, you have to work. You have to be working like some kind of job that's identifiable as like a real job TM in order to be a productive member of society um, and therefore be be seen as somebody worthy of whatever. But, you know, meanwhile, we don't want to pay people enough money to actually live off of all the hard work that they do because we devalue that work. But that's another topic altogether. That is another topic. <laughs> that is another topic. Yeah. Well, I do think it ties into kind of the Bob side of things. So I feel like we'll maybe get into that. But yeah, I this this whole like American work ethic, you know, our society is set up so that we do work nine to fives and we don't have energy to do anything else. Like our whole concept of this eight or nine hour work day, if you get an hour unpaid lunch, is based on research that is like, yes, this is the maximum number of hours that people can work safely in a day. And uh, I, I think that goes back to like assembly line type stuff, but mental work is still taxing. Uh, so it's, it's literally like these are the numbers of hours, n- this is the number of hours in a day you you can work without harming yourself physically in those scenarios. You know, it, it it's I'm gonna sound very, very left wing, but it's it's really built to benefit businesses, not people. Right. And and that's actually, you know, I think what's behind the idea of, you know, art and artistry not being real or a real job unless you're making like X amount of money doing it or or you 
are, if you're a writer, if you've been published by a major publishing house, if you're a musician, if you have a record contract, if, you know, or whatever it is for, for each artistic discipline, there's like some level at which like societally they're like, oh yes, that is right. correct. Like that is now that's a real job. Um, but getting there, then you had to like deal with a whole bunch of people being like, well, why don't you get a real job? It's like, well, I'm out here trying to get a real job. I'm auditioning everywhere. I'm, you know, playing all these different places at night, trying to get record companies to pay attention to me. I'm writing and writing, writing and submitting and whatever. Like people don't see those things as work, right. but it is work. But going back to like, just thinking about being an artist and getting patronage, thinking about what you do as work, uh, I think is the first step. Is like just getting in the mindset that yes, what you're doing is work that deserves to be compensated. Mm -hmm. So whether that means that like if you are doing some artistry that then you try to sell like you know a piece of visual art or a song that you've created or something like that, making sure that you don't not get what it's worth just because you're not sure that people will pay for it. Yep. And I don't know. I see I've done that. I do that a lot, especially when it comes to my jewelry. I never price my jewelry enough because I'm like, it's just a hobby. Right. It took a lot of effort. Yeah. So one of one of the things that I spend a lot of time doing actually is telling people they should charge more. Uh, I had this conversation. Uh, one of our first guests was Kathy Campbell, the unicorn sidekick. And I will, of course, put a link to that episode in the show notes because it's a great episode. They're all great episodes, but, uh, we talked to, we talked to, or I talked to Kathy and, um, after we were done, like actually recording, we were having this conversation and I was like, you know, would you tell me what your rate is? Because I think I have some stuff that I need some help with. And she's like, yeah, it's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Kathy, you need to charge more, you know? And she's like, okay, fine, fine. And she went in and she changed the rate on her website, like right then. I was like, yes. So, <laughs> but I do that a lot. I think I did that last night. Someone was like, I'm doing laundry for my boyfriend. He said he'd pay me $20. I'm like, $20 to do his laundry. You need to charge him more. You like, um, I feel like we undervalue our time and we're afraid that people will say no, especially when we're in situations where it's like uh, you're living kind of hand to mouth and it's like, okay, I have, I have the choice. I can either make $10 for this thing or I can maybe make $20 for this thing. And I need to go with the thing that's guaranteed. And I totally understand that. Yeah. I mean, that that always goes into the calculation, like how much is this really worth versus how much I think somebody will actually pay me for it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes having a measure of stability um, and sometimes it takes just having a certain amount of privilege. Uh, this is something that S.J. Tucker talked about where, you know, when she said, okay, I'm going to get in my car and I'm just going to do this music thing. She acknowledged that one of the reasons why she was able to just do that is because she um, started off with a great amount of privilege. She has, you know, family that she can fall back on if she needs to. She has, and she had an existing community of people who um, were willing to, you know, to support her um, mentally, mentally, emotionally, as well as perhaps financially. So, you know, not everybody has that cushion and, yeah. and that's something to acknowledge too. Um, but if you can, but that's 
one more reason to make sure that when you are offering your art um, for sale or or asking about being compensated for it, that that you should put a price tag on it that is fair for both you and the person that is trying to have it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Patreon and just straight up asking for money. Um, Aline, have you ever straight up asked for money? I have. Yeah. Um, I actually, How was that? <laughs> very uncomfortable um, for kind of a lot of reasons, both societal and familial. Like my family is not the, we are not the type of people who ask for money. We're not really the type of people who ask for help. Uh, and so I, I have been kind of steeped in both this family and the society where not that it's necessarily stigmatized, but you really should be able to do it without asking. And I don't think that's healthy. And I especially don't think that's healthy given, uh, what I do and kind of where I, I am like my communities, what my communities are. Um, but yeah, I had for less than or equal, I had a Patreon. That page is still actually up. Uh, there are still kind of a couple of people who are giving me a little bit of money every month. And I'm extremely grateful for that. I keep meaning to close it down. And uh, I should probably add that to my bullet journal to actually write a final. Thank you so much. And uh, close that down because I'm not doing less than or equal anymore. And um, that feels a little disingenuous to me. Uh, but even like with Relay, we have, uh, we use this platform called Memberful and that is uh, a way where, a way that listeners can use to, um, to contribute money and, and give money to the hosts of their Relay shows. And, uh, early on in the po- podcast, I recorded like ad reads that were to support Tempest and me, um, using the relay link, um, through relay and you do get member benefits and stuff. And I'm sure that's something that we'll talk about, but I kind of had a hard time recording those. And you'll notice that I haven't done that since. And I've thought about it. And then I got uncomfortable and was like, "Mm, maybe I won't do that. And so (laughs) Tempest, I haven't actually talked to you about it. I just kind of stopped doing it, uh, because it was just, it just felt a little bit weird. And, uh, you know, with Patreon, I didn't do a very good job of of finding perks for people or fulfilling perks for people. And I just I just I'm not I'm not great at it for kind of a lot of reasons. I feel that because I, I was thinking about how. OK, so I teach writing classes through writingtheother.com, which many of you know, especially if you are longtime listeners um, or follow me. And. Um, we're in the process right now of just like putting together a fundraiser for the Writing the Other Scholarship Fund so that people who can't afford to take our classes can still take them. And it's it's mostly not happened just because Nisi and I and the other people who are working on this project are all very busy with a lot of different things. And so we have not yet had the chance to actually just sit down and like bang out all the details. And there's also some other background stuff that like can't be talked about publicly, but really has nothing to do with writing the other that's also getting in the way. But I have no problem like getting on the internet and being like, hey, give us money for writing the other so that people who cannot afford to take these classes can take the classes. And people are like, oh, do you need money? Here's some money. And they throw money at me. 
and it's great. Um, and, and it's easy for me to do that. Why is it easy for me to do that? But it's really hard for me to be like, Hey, give me some money so I can write this novel. <laughs> and, and it's a different thing because, well, yep. I mean, basically because like, and one, the, the one thing, even though it does benefit me, like if you give to writing the other scholarship fund, and that means that, you know, Nisi and I, we we're the teachers of the classes most of them, we get paid. Um, but other, but those students who can't afford to pay don't have to give us the money. Somebody else gives us the money, but in the end we get the money. Like it benefits us, but it is also a benefit to other people. Like we're not doing it just to be like, ha ha ha, we get more money. We're doing it because we're like, we really would love for people to take these classes, no matter what their financial situation is. We also would love to eat. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like benefiting lots of different things. It's too like the greater good as well as to the personal good. I have no problem with that. Patreon is just give me money. Yeah. It, I have kind of the same type of thing with app camp is I will, I will ask people for money for app camp. I will tweet about app camp 12 times a day. I will not do that for any of my own projects. I tweet about originality a couple times a day uh, for the first couple of days. And then I stop kind of talking about it. Um, when I post something for app launch map, which is my business, uh, I'll, I'll tweet it, you know, like a couple of times and then, uh, that's, that's kind of about it. And I don't, with my Patreon, I'm not sure that I ever tweeted about having a Patreon for less than or equal. Uh, I just, it, it felt weird and I, wish I'd gotten over that. <laughs> I wish that I had, you know, like get over it. See, it sounds really dismissive, but I do wish that I had worked to, uh, to get through that so that I, you know, I could have upgraded my podcasting equipment a little bit more. One of the things I always wanted to do was have transcripts for all of my episodes, but that takes money. And, you know, I needed, I needed a certain dollar level to be able to do that. Uh, and I just, I didn't do it because it feels weird to ask for money. Yeah. So I think that one of the things that I feel helps me attempt to get over these things and also the things that I tell other people when they're like, I don't know if I should. And I'm like, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to think about this to get over all of that thinking about how you shouldn't. Um, is that as long as you are giving people something in return for the money that they give you, then, I mean, that's fine. You know, with writing the other scholarship fund, you know, the people who give us money for that fund don't necessarily get anything personal out of it themselves, mm -hmm. but they, they do it because they're like, Oh, but this is a good thing. I have some extra money. I think that this is, this is good. And I want to help. Um, so they just, they do it for the awesome feels. But when you're talking about, say being on Patreon or, or doing a Kickstarter for your art project or for, you know, say you want to like self-publish your novel, whatever it is that you're on Kickstarter to do, you are offering people something tangible in return for the money that they're giving you. That's part of the reason why they're willingly giving you money. I mean, some people might just be giving you money because they're your fan. They're like, oh, I love their work. I want to give them some money to support them. And and sometimes they'll just be like, I just want to give you a little bit. This is why the $1 giving level of like Kickstarter, um, IGG, 
what is it, Indiegogo, mm-hmm. Patreon. Like that is actually something that's really brilliant because you can give somebody a dollar. They don't get the whole dollar, but I mean, you can give somebody a dollar a month, right? And if you're giving somebody a dollar a month, you don't necessarily expect to be getting like a whole bunch of stuff in return for that dollar a month because you're giving them a dollar. Or mm-hmm. if you like back a Kickstarter for one dollar, you don't expect to get like all the different stuff and all the different levels, right? Because you're only doing it for a dollar. But that dollar is still very important because it means that somebody is interested in you and your work. They can't necessarily make a huge investment, but what they are doing is they are making an investment in keeping up with you. Because like, if you give a dollar on Kickstarter, you're getting all the updates. You're going to know when that thing is happening you know, what all the different stages are, whatever. If you give a dollar on Patreon, you're getting all the, all Patreon posts, all patron posts. Um, You're getting, you know, whatever has been said that you are going to give your patrons on each of the different levels. Mm -hmm. But $1 patronage is actually just as important as like $2, $3, $4, $10, $25 a month patronage. It's all important. So, you know, you can, as long as you're giving people something, for that money. Think of it as not just like, oh, I'm asking for money. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm asking you to invest in me, but also to invest in the community that I am building around this, this art that I'm creating or, or whatever this is that I'm creating. Some, you know, this podcast, this, you know, web comic, whatever it is. That's really powerful and that's really important. And I feel like artists should embrace that if nothing else. And that maybe is a way to think about it that will help them embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. And dollar contributions are, like you said, they're incredibly, incredibly valuable. Most people are going to be like a dollar or two a month. That's what I do for most of the people I support on Patreon. It's a dollar or two a month because I have so many people that I want to help. but like 200 people giving a dollar, it's not bad. You know, that's, that'll, that'll pay something, cell phone bill, or I don't know. Oh yeah. And for people kind of on the flip side of this, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I'm never going to have a Patreon, but uh, like supporting people, I can only give, you know, like I have $4 a month extra that I can give and I'm going to give it to four different people. That is extremely valuable. Don't, I would encourage you to never like feel bad for just giving a dollar because the dollars add up. Like that's a cliche for a reason, right? The dollars add up and they're, they're so, so, so important to so many people who have things like Patreon or who who do um, have some kind of patron model, whether it's through Patreon or something else, it's extremely valuable And the nice thing from like a content creation standpoint for creators is that dollar level, they're doing it because they believe in you and because they love you and they want to be a part of your community. And they're not expecting you to move mountains for them. And I know this is me reiterating what Tempest has said, but I just want to say it again, like when you're talking about kind of the cost benefit uh, or the the time benefit of of that dollar in some ways you might be getting more bang for for your you know supporters buck than the people who donate at higher levels but it's more intense for you like if you've got i don't know like 
$50 and and you'll get a t-shirt a year or something, that can be a lot of work because then you have to find a designer if you're not one or don't know one. You know, you have to find a designer. You have to pay a designer. Are you going to do the packaging and distributing and like all of this stuff? Whereas those, those $1 people, they want to know what you're up to. They want to see what you've maybe done historically. They want to know where you're going. But more than anything, they just want to show you support. And that is so amazing. And even on a psychological level, like look at those dollars and how many people believe in you. That is so cool. Yeah. So for, for artists, I mean, the thing that always happens when you're involved in some sort of crowdfunding or patron patronage situation is that, you know, people talk about, okay, you have to make sure that you know what your um, rewards are going to be. And they also have to be rewards that you think that you can actually deal with sending out or, or whatever it is, because, you know, the, the downfall of a lot of crowdfunding campaigns is they're like, we promised them all these things. And then we spent 50, 11 hours doing that. And we spent all this money getting them their rewards and oops. And so they're, you know, you'll, you'll see plenty of articles being like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you do want to offer something that basically is something that you want to already be doing. I, uh, I've been reading a blog post by this uh, awesome uh, artist and she also makes these like great YouTube videos and whatnot. Her name is Lindsay Ellis. Um, Her website is called real name brand Lindsay. No, none of that generic crap, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) I like all her stuff. So like she does a lot of different projects. Um, writing projects, media projects, whatnot. And she started a Patreon for uh, one of her projects called Loose Cannon. And when she announced this on Facebook, um, she was like, hey, I'm I'm doing this. Somebody was like, I'm getting really sick and tired of most internet video personalities begging for money via Patreon. And she turned this into a really amazing blog post, which, which will be in the show notes. That is basically like, so listen... You can't have it both ways. Either you want me to make videos for you to be entertained by and you want to pay me money or you don't want me to make these videos and you don't pay me money. Like, like that's how it is. (laughs) And categorizing Patreon as like begging for money. I feel like uh, I have so many negative feelings about that. Like, I feel like if that had been a person on my Facebook, there would have been a slap fight. Um, Mm. Luckily, it didn't happen on my Facebook. Instead, there are other terrible things happening on my Facebook. But um, but yeah, because you know, doing all this stuff, whether or not it's amateur or slightly polished, you know, whatever, it takes a lot of work. Like I have some videos up on my YouTube channel. I had dreams of vlogging glory for about 20 seconds until I sat down and I was like, I'm spending so much time on this. And the very first version of my Patreon was basically saying, I'll do all these videos and podcasts and stuff if you give me money. And I got some supporters. Like, let me not discount those early supporters of my Patreon who were all like such wonderful, sweet people Mm -hmm. to give me money because I didn't produce things at nearly um, uh, the rate that I had hoped to. But one of the reasons why that happened is because I was not getting enough money for the Patreon in order to take the time to do all the things I need to do. Video editing is hard work and I was doing it badly. (laughs) Podcast editing is hard work and I was doing that semi-well. All that time spent 
doing all those things. Like that is time. And it was taking time away from my writing. And my writing is really the thing that I want to be doing more of. And as I discovered, once I shifted the focus of my Patreon, writing is the thing that other people want me to be doing too. Because you're amazing. Um, Yeah. I mean, I try. I try to be amazing. So, you know, I... I actually had to really sit down with myself and be like, okay, am I going to do this? Like, yeah. am I going to say, like, give me money for my writing? Because I published some short stories. I've never published a novel. Um, and so for me to say, like, if you give me money, I will give you a novel. Like, oh, are there a lot of people who are going to care about that? Because, like, I haven't, you know, I'm no N.K. Jemison. I remember the day when she was like, I don't know. Should I be doing this? And we we're all like, yes, you should be doing this. She's oh like, my gosh. Hmm, hmm, maybe. And I was like, ah, oh, Lord. And then she put it up and she's like, whoo. And I was like, oh, look, in the first five minutes, you have more money than I have on Patreon. The first five minutes, people. But that is because she already had a huge fan base. And her pitch was, I want to write more short stories for you people and more novels. But in order to make that happen, I have to quit my job. So if you give me enough money so I can quit my job, then I will quit my job and you get more stories. And that's what happened. And that's what people wanted. And that was amazing. But like, we all knew that was going to happen. Like, right. I remember that day I was like, so by noon, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of money. I'm just, I'm predicting right now that you're going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, look, it happened at 1130. <laughs> well, it's amazing. So you, I mean, you, you talked about it, but she already had what, like two or three pretty well-regarded novels out by that point. Um, more that than was, that yeah. even. Yeah. No, there was, there was two series, two complete series out yeah. by that point. Yeah. But by, by the point she did that and yeah. she had already, I think either written or published um, the first uh, in this, in this current trilogy. So, so yeah. So when you have a, you have a built-in fan base like that, mm -hmm. it is, it's easier to do, I think, um, because you already have people who are like invested in what you do. Yep. But even even at my level, my level, like I'm way <laughs> down here. Just imagine a mountain and, and N.K. Jemison is at the top and I'm in the foothills. Well, and I'm further down than you are. So <laughs> but but even at my level, like I have a lot of people. I have I have a surprising to me amount of people who are willing to give me money every month. Um, in order to get either access to just like a couple of blog posts, you know, maybe like a little bit of like flash fiction or whatever, all the way up to like reading my novel as I write it. But they're only getting like a very rough draft. And that's very clearly spelled out in my Patreon. I'm not promising anybody the polished version of this. They're they're just getting the novel first draft or in some cases like second drafty as as I go along. That's what I promise. And so, yeah, it's just important to be able to, like, figure out what it is that you can offer people in exchange for the money that they give you. Yeah. You know, you, if you are, you know, trying to do a webcomic, you know, saying, give me money so that I can afford to, like, produce this webcomic in a timely manner. Can be done. Um, helps you build an audience, too. Uh, if it's, you know, songs that you're writing, give me money, you get access to these songs as I create them, but, you know, give me more money and you get like the polished versions once they're out, whatever it is. Um, it's just, it just has to be something that you know that you can produce. Like the biggest mistake I made with my very first outing with Patreon was overpromising. And it wasn't even that I overpromised the people who were giving me like a dollar a month. I overpromised everybody. 
because I I could not do all the things that I wanted to do yep. without being immediately paid something like $1,000 a month, which was not going to happen. Which is a bummer. Yeah, I I get that. I, I totally get that. Um, I, I think one thing to keep in mind, too, is that you're probably going to need to tweak things. Like, I encourage you all to, like, everybody set up a Patreon. Everybody do it. Like, I was pretty excited when I got to a point where my Patreon was covering all of the other Patreons that I supported. <laughs> it was like, this is great. Um, That's a very important goal, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but don't be afraid to tweak things. Like, you know, Tempest, you said you learned that you promised things that you very obviously weren't going to be able to do. And you have not been shy about tweaking things to make them sustainable for you. And so that you're delivering the stuff that you have told your supporters that you're going to deliver. I don't know. I, I don't know how many people are like me where you kind of expect or want the thing that you produce to be perfect the first try. Um, but a Patreon um, or similar thing is exactly like everything else where it's not going to be perfect the first time, uh, even if you've done it before. And you're going to have to tweak things as you go along. And maybe you underestimate what you can do, or maybe you overestimate it, and you've just got to kind of course correct and feel how things are going. But the last thing you want to do is... is uh, <laughs> overwhelm yourself with, uh, what you've promised on Patreon. I remember, uh, Tempest, you were talking about some of the things you were wanting to do with yours. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want to do? That seems like a lot of work. Is it a lot of work? And yeah. you were like, no, 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 it's fine. It's okay. I've thought about it, but I was like, are you sure? And lo and behold, I did not do all those things. Uh, like <laughs> actually, factually, I implemented one of the things, which was adding writing exercises to um, awesome. what my patrons get, but like I had, I was like, I'm gonna do these posts about craft, and then I'm gonna do these interviews, and then when I got home, I was like, wait a minute, hold up, <laughs> wait. Well, yeah, good. I have I'm to get glad a little you bit more money. It. Yeah, yeah. Before I can, before I can do all that. So, are we ready to talk about Bob? Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. Um. <laughs> well, before we talk about Bob, there's. One other thing mm -hmm. that I want to mention, which is um, about goals. So if you're doing um, a singular crowdfunding campaign, uh, like with um, Indiegogo or Kickstarter, where you're like, please give me money to do this one thing, you know, produce this book, make this art project, whatever. Um, you know, those, there are goals there that are pretty well set out. But with Patreon, sometimes the the goals are it's it's less clear what you might maybe need to be doing with those goals or what the purpose of the goals are um and people do a lot of things in different they do a lot of different stuff with the goals on Patreon but one piece of advice that I got from Shauna McGuire who has another very successful Patreon is that with hers it is she's asking for money in order to get specific things done in her life um she recently moved from one city to another and so she needs some things for her house and so she set up the patreon and the patreon for her is going to be a limited run patreon she's going to stop doing it after a specific period of time which i can't remember how long that is but but her goal was to get enough money to be able to like get specific things that she needed for that so that she could you know be comfortable in her new home 
Mm-hmm. Totally cool. And because she was upfront with that, like she got a lot of people, I mean, she got a lot of people giving to her on Patreon because she's Sean and McGuire. And she also has very huge, very vocal, very in love with her fan base who are willing to give her money. What, you're going to write a book? Here's some money for that book. You know, you're, you need some stuff for your house. Here's some money for the house. Oh, and I get some really cool stuff in return. Even better. Mm-hmm. Like she already had that built in. Um, but she talked to me about the importance of having real specific goals so that because sometimes when people look at what you're asking for and you're basically like, give me money so that I can pay my rent. I mean, for some people, they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yes, you need to pay your rent. As an artist, it's fine. Here's your money. But some people kind of look at that and they're like, eh, eh, I don't mm-hmm. know. I give you money to pay your rent. I don't know about that. Even though you're giving them something, they're still just like, eh. So yeah. after having the conversation with her, I thought about that and I was like, well, with my Patreon, I mean, part of the reason why I want to be paid for this is so that I can pay my bills um, and have more time to write so that I don't have to do other things. But the other thing that I actually really need, and I was like, I'm, I am already putting money toward this, so this could be my Patreon goal, is to go on research trips. I need to go to Egypt. I also need to go to San Jose, California. There's some other places that I need to visit to do some research. And so I switched it up so that the goals section of my Patreon are all about like, I need to get to this amount of money so that I can, you know, save up the Patreon money so that I can make these research trips. And then those goals are also tied to, if I get to this amount of money per month, then all of the rewards change. Like, you know, there are people who are getting something at one, two, three, and $5 on my Patreon right now, right? Um, So if I get up to my first goal is $700 per month so that I could take research trips within the United States. Um, And if I get up to $700 per month, then everybody who is paying $1 to $5 is getting all of the rewards that people who pay $5 get. And so that's another thing that you can do is you can say, if I hit these certain reward goals, and I think I got that idea from, from N.K. Jemison as well, where, you know, now that she has hit, she immediately hit her, her big goal, you know, which is to get like, you know, a certain, I think it was something like $4,000, $5,000 a month, or I can't remember what it was, but like whatever her top level goal was, she was like, you know, she had everything tiered, but once she hit that top level goal and she's like, as long as I'm at this top level goal, everybody gets all the things that the people who are paying the most money are getting. So I was like, oh, that's a good idea too. So yeah, so like my goals are now, please help me save up money for a research trip. And also once I hit each of these different goals, then like more people get access to more stuff. Mm-hmm. And eventually if I get to a thousand dollars a month, then everybody gets um, up to what the people who are paying $10 a month get, which is the, um, the chapters every week. Mm-hmm. And then there's other levels up there too. But I think that like, I feel like most people would care about the chapters. Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool way to handle it. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I've seen some things like on Kickstarter do that type of thing. You know, if we get X number of dollars, then everybody gets the PDF version of this book for free or, you know, X number of dollars and everyone gets the, often it's, you know, like a digital reward because shipping and all of that, but we hit this amount and everybody gets the digital version of this. I, I tend to do like books and games often on Kickstarter. Uh, so this is the thing that you'll get. And that's, that's pretty cool. And I think that it gives, 
gives supporters incentive to kind of spread the word about it too, because they want to get that, but they can't necessarily support at a higher level to get that right off the bat. So then they're like, oh, hey, you know, I need to tell my friends and get my friends on board with that. So that's a really good way to, to potentially a really good way anyway, to kind of help incentivize people to spread the word about what you're doing too. Yeah. It's like, if you get like 10 of your friends to give a 10, you know, $1 a month and 10 of their friends to give $1 a month and we get up to this many dollars a month and then we can all get cool stuff. Yep. So that's, that is another way I think that the artists can, can think about this in ways that don't activate the, the shame part, but then there's still Bob. There's still, Oh, Bob, Bob, such a jerk. <laughs> oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. So what, what have you encountered the Bobs of the world in, in any of the, the crowdfunding or, or fundraising that you've done? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially, uh, surrounding app camp for girls. Um, probably because I tend to be, uh, more vocal and maybe pushy about that. Also, there was a Kickstarter, uh, I don't remember, a few months ago for the Girl Scouts of San Diego where they wanted to, uh, they were crowdfunding uh, kind of the curriculum for a coding camp that they wanted to do, I think is a good representation of of the high-level overview anyway. And I noticed that they weren't getting a lot of ground. And so I literally, like, I started tweeting about it, I don't know if like seven or eight times a day, because I was mad. I was like, y'all are talking about how how awful tech is and how bad it is that, that people who, uh, you know, in under-indexed genders aren't, aren't involved in tech and blah, blah, blah. And there's this Kickstarter right here waiting for you to fund it and you're not doing anything. And I got angry. And so I tweeted and, uh, they ended up reaching their goal. It was something like they were $15,000 short or something. And they had less than a week to do it. And I was just like, no, we're, we're going to make this happen. And we made it happen. Uh, but I, I get a lot of blowback on initiatives like that and, and tweeting about that and inequity in tech, you know, app camp for girls. Well, where's app camp for boys? Well, that's, you know, like every camp. Um, so, you know, you, I don't know. I feel like you do your best. No, let me rephrase. I feel like I do my best to prepare myself for those types of criticisms and those that type of feedback. And I, I make my choice whether I'm going to respond or I'm going to do my thing. Well, actually, whether I'm going to respond and do my thing or ignore and do my thing. And then I do what I need to do. And I'm not saying it's always easy. Uh, I have been the recipient of some very personal criticism, uh, surrounding things like that. And it, it can hurt. It can make me really angry. Um, but at the end of the day, I guess the thing that I walk away or I try to remember is that it's not for them. You know, if what I am doing is not for them and that is okay. There's no one thing in the world 
I mean, other than like, you know, basic human needs like water and air and food and shelter, there's not a one thing that is good for everybody. And that's okay. And in fact, that's probably pretty good because if you're doing something that appeals to absolutely everybody, you're probably doing something really generic and maybe not worth it. Like, I don't know that that might be a harsh thing to say, but I don't know. I kind of feel like if I'm not making people mad or uncomfortable, I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) I agree. I agree with all of that. No real reason. No reason at all. Yeah. Um, I also think that it is, it's imperative that artists in particular fight against notions of what they should be doing, how, whether or not they should or shouldn't be asking for money or asking for help because of the fact that that is so ingrained in our society, but it's not ingrained in our society because it's good or healthy, you know? Right. As, as you said earlier, Lean, like a lot of these rules or a lot of these sort of cultural norms are benefit corporations, but they don't necessarily benefit people. And this is one of the drawbacks of living in an ultra capitalist society where things that are good for business are seen as like good for our culture or good for our society. And that is not true. <laughs> it's just not. Right. Um, so it, it does take a little bit of rewiring in the brain. It also, depending on what kind of specific culture you grew up in, getting around that feeling that you are accepting charity or you're accepting help and that's not something that you do. And, and again, like the way to combat that is to, to think of it as, you know, I'm not accepting charity. I am giving people something in return for their support of me. Commensurate with the amount of support that they give. Yep. And I think it kind of goes back to, again, something that S.J. Tucker talked about, which was when she, you know, made the decision to like become an indie artist and to, you know, go on the road and live out of her car and do these things. She also did a lot of stuff so that she learned about the business side of it. She did treat her art as a business venture. Um, One of the other articles that I was reading recently that kind of percolated up, talk about this, um, is on uh, the geekcalligraphy.com blog, which is one of my new favorite blogs now, especially since geek calligraphy is so much fun and they have like all sorts of cool calligraphy things that you can buy. Um, but they have oh, a no. post, um, <laughs> I know, right. Uh, talking about how the starving artist trope needs to die in a fire. Um, and, and also sort of comparing it to, you know, we don't talk about say entrepreneurs in the same way that we talk about artists or, right. or even like, you know, tech, techpreneurs and Silicon Valley startups. But, you know, when you look at the, like the actual mechanics of it, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like, oh, I mortgaged my house so that I could, you know, pay for, you know, the, the I could give money to the startup of this business that I had an idea for, this app that I decided that I wanted to make into a thing or that, that restaurant that I was starting or whatever. Um, when it's like put in terms of like a business and the things that you did, you know, where you didn't eat anything but ramen for a year, which I don't know why ramen is always the thing because you can't actually survive on ramen, but that seems to be like the code word for I survived on terrible food. Uh, yeah. that was cheap. <laughs> okay. Um, 
but but when it's like oh i lived on ramen for a year and um you know lived in my parents basement or or out of my car or i couch surfed um whatever it is so that i could do this businessy thing so that I could make this app so that I could, you know, start this horrible company where I manufactured food and called it Soylent. <laughs> Not that I have feelings. Um, nobody ever like disses those people for doing the things that they needed to do and make the sacrifices that they needed to make and, and have the weird life that they needed to have in order to make that happen. Because we see business as value in American culture. But when an artist does the exact same thing, but the thing that they're doing is art, suddenly they're a lazy bum. Mm-hmm. Get a real job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a problem. But that said, being an artist to then make sure that you think about your art as part of a business, if it helps to think of yourself as an entrepreneur, again, in order to get over the thinking that you can't ask for help or you can't ask for money. Um, because then maybe what you think of it as is an investment. You're asking people to invest in you. You're asking people to invest upfront in whatever art that you're creating so that down the road they can accrue, you know, not only they get more of whatever art that you're creating because you're putting it out more into the world, but they're accruing something else. And the investment of money is not necessarily, it's not like in business where like you put money in and then the business grows and then you get more money out. That's not the investment that they're making. Right. The investment that they're making is not only, not even just in you and your art, but also in the community that you are creating from the people who are getting together to give you money for your art. That's one of the things I think I like best about Patreon because Again, there have been other systems in the past where like people could give you money. Like there's even a way that you could set it up in PayPal that people just give you money every month without even having to think about it. It just happens automatically. But PayPal doesn't have comments. PayPal doesn't have like an actual place where people who like you can all sit and talk to each other. Patreon does. And I think that's actually just as important. Yeah, I totally I I agree. The the community building aspect of it is is great. And it's actually not something that I've participated a lot in. I kind of feel like Tempest, especially with your Patreon, where you have the writing prompt that goes out, uh, maybe I, I could and should get involved a little bit more and, and dip my toe in, into that. Um, I also kind of want to say that from the perspective of somebody who tries to support people doing whatever it is that they love or that they're good at or that they're contributing to the world, you know, that, that I agree with obviously, but you know, I like giving money to people when I can, I like, you know, if, if an app has like a tip jar, you know, a lot of, uh, on iOS, something that's happening more and more frequently is people will give their app for free and then they'll have a tip jar and maybe they'll have some incentives for for doing that. But I, I like going in and being like, oh, yeah, I can spare a buck to give to, you know, whoever. Uh, and, and that's just like a nice thing to do. I, I like to do that. I know that they put money and time into things. If there's something that automates that for me, like, you know, like Patreon does, like Memberful does, whatever, 
I like doing that. It makes me feel good just to support the people who I know are doing something that they love. But I also like not having to think about it. Like if it'll come out of my bank account automatically, that is great. And I feel like that's something to remember too, that for every vocal jerk face who is saying things that make you doubt yourself and what you're doing and whether you should have this thing, there are probably 10 of people like me who are really, really glad that they have the chance to support you in a way, if not a feasible way, what is the word I'm looking for? A material way, you know, like I can send good vibes out into the world for you, or I can give you a couple of bucks and I would love to be able to help you buy more ramen or whatever it is you need, you know? I mean, personally, I, I like to have Trader Joe's gyoza. I feel like that's that's definitely a better use of my <laughs> I don't have any money money for buying food, but that's just personal. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, the bobs of the world are are not there to like lift help you, you up. Yeah, yeah, they're not there to lift you up. I mean, you know, even in that case, you know, I at the time if I had known what Bob was doing, I might have gone to my friend, the photographer, and be like, do not listen to Bob. Right. Do not listen to Bob. Do what you were going to do. Like, why are you listening to Bob? Um, but I actually didn't find out about all, like, all the things that were going on until later. I pieced it together from, from things that I was told later on. And I was like, dang it, Bob. What are you trying to do? Um, just mess with people's lives. Make the world less awesome. Make the world less awesome. But it's, it is really hard when you're an artist to get the critics voices out of your head. Like you will, you will embed more of what critics have to say to you than what your fans say to you. I think, especially if, if there's other stuff going on with you mentally, um, by that, I mean like mental health wise, not that you're mental. Um, so yeah, I can, I can understand that when the bobs of the world show up to be like, you shouldn't be, or, oh, it's just begging for money. It's this, it's that. To just put them aside. So I guess what I want you to do is I want you to like, every time that happens, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to envision Tempest in your mind. Just like envision a little Tempest standing there and then envision the person who's telling you that you need to get a real job or you can't do this or you're begging for money. Right? Envision them. And then envision me taking out my fan. Because, like, if you see me, you know, like, I have a fan. And just hitting them in the face with the fan until they go away. <laughs> just imagine that. Just imagine me just hitting them in the face. Boom, 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 boom. And then they fall into an abyss of darkness to which they cannot return from. <laughs> and then open your eyes and do your art and get on Patreon and then get on Twitter and make sure everybody knows about your Patreon. That's what I want you to do. Yeah. And, and I'm going to validate like, yeah, it sucks. Bob can make you feel really, really bad. Bob can make you feel really, really bad. I had a Bob. In fact, as we're recording this, I had a Bob last week who really, really got to me. And it took, it literally, it took me a week to be like, you know what? Bob is a jerk face. And so I want to validate, you know, that's totally a thing. And, and it's okay if they get to you, but 
you know, you can't let that stop you. You can't let people stop you. Pay attention to the people who want to lift you up and pay attention or don't pay attention to Bob because Bob is a jerk face. Yeah. Um, and, and I firmly believe that one of the things that, you know, getting crowdfunding, whichever way you get it, whatever way you get like support for your stuff as you're going along, that can also just like help with your, um, with your art. Like, because it's just been so incredibly valuable for me to have people who want to see my stuff every week. And then I'm like, I have to write for them. I was going to ask if accountability, if that kind of built-in accountability was helpful for you. So yeah, accountability, you know, it, it, it is helpful for me, but just acknowledging that like not everybody does well under that kind of pressure. So yeah. not saying that this is a blanket statement for everybody, but um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that like the people who, who do this kind of thing, who, who are saying like, you know, patronize me and then you get like the comic early or you get it more often or, you know, whatever it is. Um, knowing that you have people who are waiting for the thing that you've promised, people have given money, um, you have a deadline can be very helpful because then it just, it keeps you moving forward and it keeps you not only like, because it's not a fake deadline, it's a real deadline. Cause you said to people, I'm going to give you this and people clearly want it because they're actually giving you money. And, you know, I've, I've railed against a capitalist society earlier in this podcast, but like <laughs> in a capitalist society, sometimes the, the thing that makes you understand or, or can be part of your understanding of your worth is the fact that people are willing to give you money for it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just how, it shouldn't be how it is, but it's, it's part of how it is. And so, yeah, it is very helpful to, to be able to say, okay, I'm going to, um, I have to do this because people have paid for it. And, and that can just, you know, buoy you. You can realize that like, yes, what I'm doing is worthy. How do I know it's worthy? People gave me money. Now I got to deliver. Yeah. Maybe we need an episode on accountability because I have thoughts and feelings and failings. And, uh, but they don't really fit within the scope of uh, being accountable to people who are helping you do the thing that you want to be doing. Yeah, that's totally a future episode. We can totally yeah. do that. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else? That, uh, any other points that we needed to talk about? Um, I mean, I think that's it. I just, I guess basically what I wanted from this episode was to, to really like make people who felt like they weren't empowered to be able to get money for their art know that they can. Um, and know that there's nothing shameful about asking and, and it doesn't even have to be asking for money. I, w- I thought I was going to be able to go this entire podcast without mentioning the name Amanda Palmer, but <laughs> I'm the art not. Of asking. Yeah. Because I haven't read the book, I haven't but either. three people in the past two weeks have said to me, you should really read that book. And I always look at them and I'm like, but, <laughs> uh, but then one person said, Oh, have you listened to her Ted talk? So I went and I listened to the Ted talk. It's much shorter than the book. And <laughs> it is much shorter than the book. I ha- it is. I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings about Amanda Palmer, but I do think that the points that she made about asking 
and having real community and the way that you think about what you deserve or what's fair or what you should shouldn't be asking for. I will say that I think that she is spot on with a lot of what she says there. And so, yeah, I just, you know, we'll have a link to that uh, in the show notes and link to the, the other articles that I was reading about this. You know, just finding a way to ask for what you need in order so that you can be an artist. And if you want to make that the thing that you do for your, for a living, then, you know, no, don't listen to people who say, oh, you have to have like this other job to fall back on. Oh, you have to have this. No, you need to do it if that's what you want to do. And there are ways that you can even, you know, given different financial situations, different family situations, different whatever, you just have to find like your role model within whatever, you know, way of being that you are. You know, so I'm not just saying like anybody can get in their car and drive across the country and, and be fine because that's, that's literally not true. Right. Um, but finding other people who have been in a similar situation to you, who have done the thing to use as role models so that you can do the thing. I think that's important because there are people in many different situations who have found a way to do the thing and you just got to, you know, make it work for your life. But I think that I think that everybody, or if not everybody, most people do have an ability to make their creativity the foremost thing in their life if that's what they want. You just have to find the particular way to do it. And I really want you to like know that you can find that particular way. And sometimes that particular way is being like, hey, people out there, give me money. And I will be an artist. And I will do the thing. I will give you more art. All the art you could ever want. But first, I need to pay my bills or whatever it is. So can I ask you before we wrap up, has, because uh, I know you've done research in preparation for this episode, unlike me, where I'm just like shooting from the hip and telling everybody my opinions. Um, but after kind of doing research and giving our listeners a pep talk, how do you feel about your own Patreon and your own struggles? Is that the word I want to use with self-promotion? I am slowly getting over my my struggles with self-promotion. Um, and in part, it is because I know that the way that social media works, that not everybody sees everything that I post. Mm -hmm. And so first barrier was like getting over, I'm posting too much, never posting too much. But also figuring out ways that I could post where I didn't feel like I was inundating people with the same information all the time because that feels kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I figured out a way to like do it so that I feel good about it. And also I think it still sort of advertises. And I am more open to just like saying to people, so I have a Patreon. By the way, you need to tell people I have a Patreon so that they will know about it too. Um, because I think that my, my idea for my novel is very cool. And I think that lots of people should want to look at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm being more vocal about that. And then... I don't know. I just, I try to think I'm, I have been like, once I realized that thing about, you know, how easy I am with saying, give money to running the other, but not as easy about saying, give me money on Patreon, trying to think of it more as, as that, as me saying, you know, Hey, give me some money so that I can give you a cool thing. You get benefit. I get a benefit. Everybody gets benefit. 
So yeah, I feel a little bit better about it now. And I also feel very good about saying right now, you know, if you become a member of this show, <laughs> become a member of Relay FM and this show, you can become a member of Relay FM in general, or you can become a member of this show specifically. And if you do, then you help to support Alina and myself in, in creating this podcast and thinking about creative things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can support my research goals if that's, if that's what you're about. <laughs> but, but it's awesome because you do get cool stuff. If you're a Relay FM member, you get like members only stuff. Especially because it is August as this is, it's July when we're recording this, but this is going out in August. And do you know what August is in, in the Relay FM world, Tempest? No, you have to tell me, Aline. Ah, so Relay is turning three years old in August and uh, we kind of do uh, a, a relay party, a podcast party, and we have members only episodes of maybe not every show, but a lot of shows. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll let everybody know that we have recorded a members only show for originality, and the only way you're going to be able to get that is if you become a member of either the network or if you choose to support Tempest and me alone, uh, you'll be able to to listen to all of these cool shows. Last year, there was like, I don't know. Last year was amazing. It was awesome. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what all of the different podcasts do this year. Yeah. So I encourage you to become a member and to give some money to some awesome people who are making awesome podcasts for you. You give us money, we give you podcasts. That's how it works. Yeah, because it, it does. It takes a lot of time. It does. But yeah, so that's, I'm, I'm feeling better about it on my end, but I know that it's still going to be a little bit of a struggle. Um, but you know what? I would really love to hear from artists out there who, are, who either have a Patreon or who have done a, a crowdfunding campaign or who are thinking about it and are also struggling with these things because I want to hear your thoughts and, and your struggles. And I also want to know, like, if you, if you were able to get over it, how are you able to get over it? Like, you know, what, what kind of things did you have to think about? What articles did you read or books did you read? Did you talk to a person who said like the exact right thing to you to make you be like, yes, I will do this now. So please tweet at me. My Twitter handle is at tiny tempest. Also tweet at uh, the show's Twitter handle at originality FM. Um, you can also tweet at Aline's Twitter handle, which is A-L-E-E-N, uh, and, and tell us these things, because I would love to have a conversation about that with you all. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that is it. Until next time, uh, oh, we still don't have an outro. Also tweet at us and tell us what our outro should be, uh, <laughs> because this is absurd. Until next time. Be creative, I guess. Yay! Yay.